Hey, well, good morning. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we feel really blessed to have this opportunity here together this morning. Uh, we're five months into this journey now, which I get five isn't an iconic number uh, as you're tracking, but I guess uh, when you're when you're this early in in a journey like this. Um, uh, every month, and, and 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 you look for opportunities to celebrate what what God's doing. It has been such a blessing um, to have people like you as part of this journey. Um, so blessed by um, Chris and Josiah, the Dean Hills, Justin, and those that are helping lead worship for us. Um, I, I, every week after church, our daughter Alyssa, who's six years old, uh, she goes home and she gets out her guitar and. Um, she sings the songs that Chris or someone led, and she writes a poem or a letter about them. Um, and, and so most weeks, Chris gets a picture, you know, from Sarah saying, hey, here's what Alyssa worked on today. Thank you so much. It is beautiful to see the way God is working in the lives of us and, and the way our involvement is blessing the lives of people around us, young children. I love our branches and what's happening in those. Um, the number of people that uh, we're, we're getting to engage in our neighborhoods and, and, and friends that are coming together to share meals, uh, to, to sit at a table together and have conversation, to explore Jesus together. Love what's happening. How's this for a transition? I am not capable of church planting. Right? That's a, that's a pretty extreme transition. Um, in and of myself, if this journey were about me or about Chris or about Sarah or the Dean Hills, it, it's not going anywhere. See, there's this interesting um, point in, in life where we realize that our weaknesses and insecurities – provide opportunity for God to do powerful things. That strength comes in the frailty often of the vessels that we are, right? Strength comes in the weakness and the inability. And today, um, we're going to talk about our willingness. In fact, today, I'm going to jump to the end of the lesson before we even begin it. Today we are going to explore um, a story in which Jesus feeds thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and a few fish. Um, Jesus performs a miracle and, and thousands of people are fed. And yet this story does not speak to a food problem. Instead, the story today speaks to a faith problem. The story of Jesus feeding thousands of people in Luke chapter 8 is much less about food than it is about faith and willingness and trusting in Jesus for our provisions and what can be accomplished. Today, we're going to realize that the miracles and the things that God accomplish are never dependent upon us, but can flow through us if we make ourselves available. So today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, verse 10. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna see a beautiful story as it unfolds. You know, this is uh, this is um, one of only two miracles. The resurrection being the other one. One of only two miracles that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all saw fit um, to to tell this story that that people need to know it. Let's read it together. Luke chapter eight, verse ten, and it says, "When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done." 
Now, the apostles, in the context of this passage, if you look just before this in your Bible, you see that they had just been sent out. The twelve had been sent out to uh, the cities um, to heal people of sicknesses, to drive out demons, to teach people about the kingdom of God that Jesus was ushering in. And they saw powerful, incredible things as God worked incredibly powerful through them. And they came back and they told Jesus all that they had done. And then he took them uh, with him, and, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it, and they followed him. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those, were those who needed healing. So the apostles have returned from an incredible trip, um, uh, an exciting experience of God working powerfully through them. Jesus and the apostles, like we see so often, his humanity are exhausted. And so they have withdrawn about eight miles outside of the nearest large town. And uh, eight miles away, they are in hiding, uh, it, it, trying to rest, trying to refocus, uh, debriefing from the uh, experience the apostles had had. Um, but as so often happened in Jesus' life, the crowds found out where he was. And thousands of people showed up. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to see that 5,000 men were present. And, and in, in the first century, as they counted, they counted voting males. And so uh, scholars would say, including the women and the children and the teens, uh, they would say there's twenty to 30,000 people that have heard that Jesus is eight miles away, and they have traveled to, to see this man, to, to hear from him. Jesus and his apostles, exhausted, are met by a crowd of thousands of people. And it says he welcomed them. I, I wonder, when was the last time in life that you found yourself exhausted? And your kids came to you and said, hey, will you read me a book? Or, hey, can we play a game? Right? This, this speaks to some of our audience here today. And you're like, man, the last thing on earth that I want to do right now, right? I hardly have the, the strength to change a channel on the TV right now. That's it, right? Um, it, we know what it's like to be exhausted. And, and in our jobs, after a hard day or a rough meeting, um, we're exhausted. And a coworker comes to us with a problem that, that they want us to solve. That's your problem, man. I am, I'm busy and I am tired, right? And yet Jesus here, he, Thousands of people follow him on his, on his intended retreat, and he welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom, and he healed those who needed healing. Right? We see the compassion of Jesus here. Not just the sympathy of Jesus. We're quite willing to offer sympathy in situations. Man, I'm so sorry I'll be praying for you, but Jesus goes far beyond that. No, and he, he welcomes them. And, and he loves them, and he heals them, and he talks with them, and he, he teaches them. We see the compassion of Jesus in Luke 8, 10. In verse 12, it says, And then late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him, and they said, Send the crowd away so that, we can, so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. The apostles come to him with a problem. And the only solution they can think of is the one that we've talked about. We would often, I would often want to choose, which is let's call it off. Let's be done. We're ready to be finished with this process. 
They, they come with a problem and a solution that's the simplest on themselves. And to be fair, pro- probably the most logical of solutions in this moment, right? They say it's time to disperse this crowd. They're going to have to have some 20, 30,000 people in this tiny village. There's nothing for them. And so uh, they, they say it's time to send this crowd off. And in verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. And so Jesus presents an alternative solution. The problem seemingly at hand is food. And Jesus says, well, there's another solution. Just feed them something. And in the other accounts, we read about this boy that had um, the bread and the fish. And, and so they go out. Jesus says, well, what do we have? And they go surveying to find what was available. And all they had was this little bit that this little boy was willing to give. And Jesus says, okay, good. Let's, let's feed the people, right? But, but I want to take a moment and pause the food conversation to consider that Jesus here could have responded in many ways. There was a number of solutions. One viable one was to disperse the crowd. It was time to rest. See, but Jesus had on his mind much more than feeding a crowd. Jesus had on his agenda much more than just making enough food that they could have a meal that evening. You see, there's a, there's a faith issue at work here, where his apostles are assuming that, that the only solution in this situation is food. And Jesus is saying, with faith, the potential grows exponentially. With faith, there is an entirely different outcome and potential. And we may only have a little bit of bread and a few fish, but with faith, well, he's going to teach them about faith and what happens. So he says, let's feed the people. Um, but he said to the disciples, um, when they argue, well, we'd have to go buy food. He says, no, instead, here's what I want you to do. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Now, I think this is interesting. I'd like to place ourselves in the position of the apostles here for a moment. They don't know the outcome yet of the, the situation. They don't know what Jesus is going to do or how it plays out. And, and I've, I've spent a lot of time um, considering exactly why it would play out the way it does. But Jesus starts with a call to action. There's something about having engaged them in the process that is going to unfold prior to their understanding that is going to have a huge impact on their, their faith and their growth in this process. Jesus says, uh, he creates almost this anticipation, and he says, it's time to trust in me. This is a lesson in faith for them. He says, trust in me. Go ahead and start sitting the people down. And they're sitting people down now, wondering what is going to happen. Does he have food hidden somewhere that is going to take care of this? Has he catered this event and we just didn't know it, right? They don't know yet how this plays out, and yet here they are. Obeying the words of Jesus, learning to trust, learning to live um, out of his calling, out of of his um, expectations. And so so they sit the people down, and in verse 16, take the five loaves, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked to heaven, and he gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. 
And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You know, the miracle was not dependent upon a boy with a little bit of food. The miracle was not dependent upon the apostles. Jesus performed a miracle in the story. And yet Jesus chose to engage his disciples, his apostles, in in the process. He chose to engage a small boy. He demonstrated his power in a way that people were able to participate in the process. People were drawn in to the story and the experience of Jesus. And, and, And the apostles are pushed far outside their comfort zone. In fact, I'd argue that as we look back at Jesus' ministry and and the way he called people and the way he worked with his followers, um, they were constantly called into situations outside of their control, situations that were way bigger than they could accomplish. And theirs was a journey of learning to trust. Theirs was a journey in faith. And and as we gather here, a small nucleus, God has done incredible things, and we acknowledge this is way bigger than any one of us. This is way bigger than all of us collectively. We, we, we are on a faith journey in which God is calling people, and God is accomplishing his mission and doing powerful things. And there's something beautiful happening here that each of us are invited to be a part of, and that is to participate in the work that God is doing. I started reading um, a book this week called Love Does. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Goff is his last name, I believe. Bob Goff. And, um, and uh, it, it's an amazing book. The guy has just lived a life and done everything you can imagine. But it, it's almost all narrative, just telling stories of the way love is played out, the way love is experienced. And in fact, in a few weeks, maybe beginning on Easter, we're going we're gonna to do a series talking about the way love has been played out on, on the behalf of God. And then, and then our part, as we live out love, love does and he tells incredible stories uh, of the way um, God, God works in people's lives and invites them into situations and experiences far bigger than themselves. And as we act in love, God accomplishes powerful and beautiful things in the lives of people around us. You see, we're constantly being invited into situations that will test our trust, that will test our ability. And and by the way, let me say something kind of hard today, similar to what Jesus would, would say to his followers. If Jesus' calling in your life never feels challenging, if it never tests you, there might be more to this calling than you're experiencing right now. Like, like God calls us into, into waters that are too deep for us and then accomplishes incredible things through us. To, to be a follower of Jesus is, is exciting and is overwhelming and is fearful and is so blessed as we see God working in powerful ways. My father Steve is on an incredible journey, and if you've not got to hear about the work that he's doing in, in Kenya, 
that he and, and this organization are doing and the way people are being stretched and the challenge and the fear and the desire, God, I want more of you. I, you know, like just the challenge that goes along with being sold out for Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful story, right? It's, it's what Jesus invites us into. We can accomplish some things in and of ourselves, but Jesus invites us to so much more should we trust in his power and allow him to accomplish things in and around us. You know, the disciples here, they come saying, well, this is all we have. How often in life do we allow the things that we don't have to result in us not giving the things that we do have? That makes sense. We use the things that we don't have as an excuse to why we can't give the things that we do have. And so we spend our life saying, well, when I have more time, I'll do more of that. But we never have enough time because there's always something else to fill our time. And we say, no, when I have more money than I would help this person or, or give to a church or a charity, right? When I have more money, then I will. But there's always more things that our money is spent on. And, and we can spend our entire lives waiting on more so that we can do more. But Jesus invites us to a life of faith and trust in which he works powerfully and beautiful things happen. See, and, and, and we begin our journey today acknowledging that that we're insufficient, we're inadequate to accomplish so much. Paul speaks to the subject, and I want to show you two passages, and it's in the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to a small church in Corinth about, about following Jesus. And, uh, and he says to them in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he says, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay. So he's speaking of the blessing and the wealth that God has given us as followers. And he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And so he speaks of this clay jar, a jar or, or a vessel that a light, a candle could sit in in your home. And, and were this jar perfectly formed and, and, and beautiful in every way, not much light comes from it. Instead, he speaks of this clay vessel, this clay jar or tray in a, in a home that's broken and feeble and weak. And because of its state, light is emitted from it. The blessing that God has given comes from. And so we begin to realize that the frailty of the vessel doesn't determine the goodness of God and doesn't determine the potential in a life or in a situation. Our frailty, in fact, is an opportunity for God to shine through. And so we approach things like church planning or things like sharing faith with our neighbor or helping a person on the side of the road saying, I don't know if I can do this, but God, will you shine through in this moment? It, Paul continues uh, in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, and he's speaking of a, a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know exactly what Paul is speaking of. He says it torments him, and it could be a physical ailment. Um, it, it could be spiritual. We don't know exactly what Paul is ailed from. He doesn't say. He just calls it a thorn in his flesh. He, he's, got it. he's got a problem. And he says um, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And let me just acknowledge, it's so backwards. And so often Jesus taught in such backwards terms, in such countercultural ways, saying, no, you put up this strong front, but if you would let that down, if weakness was what we let out of, then Christ is seen as powerful and not you. He says that, that in our weakness, Christ can shine through. God says to him in his moment of weakness and his pleading, God, will you help me? My grace is sufficient for you. And I'd ask us today, what are those things in life that we continue to struggle with? Those things in, in life that continue to hurt. Those things in life that continue to weigh us down. And to hear those words of Paul from God that say, my grace is sufficient for you. God's invitation to a life of trust in spite of harm, in, in spite of struggle, in spite of strife, in spite of sickness, in spite of loss, to learn to trust in God and to know his grace that is sufficient. And to know that in our weaknesses and in the struggles of life, God is seen as strong both we experience and acknowledge God to be strong and the world around sees God shining through in beautiful ways. You see, back in our text in Luke chapter 8, as Jesus um, feeds 5,000, 20, 30,000 people on that day, he wants his followers to know, he wants the audience to know that trust in him can accomplish incredible things when the opportunity seems scarce in the eyes of those there. You know, and it's easy for us to, to put ourselves in the place of, of just the apostles, right? I'm going to be that person distributing God's blessing, and that's good, and so often we can. But there's a whole crowd, the twenty and 30,000 people there that are often like you and I in life. As, as we sit hungry and in need, knowing that there's something in this man Jesus that I need, and I've yet to even perceive exactly what that is. And then comes along someone in our lives who says, Hey, I'd, I'd love for you to come and, and join me at this, at this Bible study. Come join us for a meal. Come, come, come to me with church. Come, come, to me, come with me to church. I, I think you'll find something of blessing there. And we begin to see a God who is working. Jesus who is performing miracles and shining brightly in the lives of people around us. Let's be honest. Um, there's seasons of life in which we are those followers of Jesus, distributing God's blessing to the people, and then there's so many seasons in which we're that hungry person, just needing a scrap of food, and Jesus blesses us with a feast. Today's a day to, to be thankful for, for the way God is faithful for the way that God is good. And then as we have opportunity to challenge ourselves to step out in ways that allow God to accomplish more than we ever could 
in and of ourselves because God can do remarkable things with what little we have to offer. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for um, just a moment here to uh, reflect on your word and the story um, of Jesus feeding thousands of people. Father, we thank you for um, the provisions that you provide for us, that when, when things are bleak, when life is difficult, Father, for the way that you have provided, Father, help us to reflect and to remember the ways you have been good and, and showered us with, with blessing. And Father, help us to be people who, um, uh, even in our weakness, Father, um, uh, live lives of faith and trust that allow you to work and accomplish beautiful things. Father, we know that you are good and that you are accomplishing your mission, that you are doing miraculous and beautiful things in the world around us. And Father, we're humbled and appreciative to know that, that you choose us to be the vessels of your blessing. So Father, help us um, uh, to be those that are open, uh, that, that your goodness can flow through us to the world around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.